What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode here at the Elevated Poker Podcast. Hang, joined by my co-host Kyle Kitagawa. Hey. And today's topic will be about how to implement studying and also recording hands while you play poker. So we're going to be talking about maybe some ways that we can, um, maybe some ways that we can initiate studying, why we need to study, and maybe some. Um, Maybe some key tips on how to study successfully. Cool. Let's do it. All right. So maybe let's start off with um, talking about maybe several ways that uh, or several resources that maybe <coughs> we can use um, to study the game of poker. Um, I, I would say that the first thing in it, first thing to start off is there's plenty of like books out there um, online that you can that you can start off reading you know there's also like the, the harrington books there's like carol's book of tells um there's a there's a lot of basic uh there's a lot of basic knowledge out there that i think um a lot of our listeners can either purchase or even get for free online yeah um <clears throat> wait <laughs> i thought we were talking wait are we talking about hand uh hand, hand histories or are we just talking about studying in general uh, I think we're talk we're talking actually about studying and also hand histories. Okay. So let's start off maybe just talking about um, just some resources that um, that our listeners, and then we can also talk about hand histories and and uh, how how players can um, can implement that into the game. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, there's lots of resources. There's online courses there's elevated poker there's our podcast there's several other podcasts out there uh there's numerous books out there covering all different sorts of topics and different um ex experience levels so you can really like get specific if you really want to like if you want to study or get better at one type of game uh poker um like whether it's tournament or no limit hold'em or omaha or limit hold'em or high stakes or low stakes or mistakes um, you can get really specific in terms of like books available out there on the market. Um, even, and also just for like online training courses, I think. Right. You know, the strategy training courses <clears throat> are uh, pretty beneficial. And, you know, there's, there's also like several forums out there that you can also join mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. in addition to, you know, free YouTube videos and also talking hands with friends. I think it's also something that, um, can be added to the list. Yeah, I think when it comes to talking with um, about hands, your hand histories with your friends, I think um, for me at least, and for a lot of people that I've worked with, um, that's going to be probably the most uh, beneficial way because mm -hmm. it allows you to take your own um, hands that you played or that your friends played and really kind of dissect it down and um, analyze them. Um, and there's different ways you can do this you know like there there are uh, first of all if you're playing online it's really easy to find a hand histories for most of the sites that you're playing on um it'll be very organized already uh, but if you are like a, a live player or if you play on on like an app or something that doesn't log the hand history for the long term very well um, then you definitely need to know how to write down your hands um, mm -hmm. And I would suggest um, 
learning like a shorthand version um, so that you don't have to like write out word for word, but you can, you know, write it clearly and fast enough in your notes that you can come back to it at the end of the day and then rewrite it or retype it. Um, and there's even apps out there like Share My Pair that you can use um, um, to input the hand and the betting sizes and all that. But personally, I find that that takes a while to do. And for me, it's easier to just uh, put notes into my notepad or on my phone. Um, I even at times have had a notebook, like physical notebook with a pen and wrote down hands back in the day. So um, we can talk about like what type of stuff you should be noting, mm-hmm. um, I guess. Okay. And before we dive into that there, um, why, why do players need to record hands and why do they need to study these things? for to find their mistakes and to get better <laughs> gotcha yeah so i would say yeah too i agree with that is that um minimizing your current mistakes there so if you can catch those mistakes right off the bat then you won't be making subsequent mistakes later down the line i know it sounds easier said than done but i think that's the main reason why players need to study and i think like a lot of players they neglect this area in their game there. And that's why they kind of stay stagnant for many years from what I've seen. So if you're a part-time player and say you're maybe putting in like, like maybe 10 hours a week or something, you know, I would advise maybe just setting time, like maybe like two hours. So that's like about what 20% of your time there is spent on, you know, hand reading and maybe just, kind of going over some strategy videos on top of that. Cool. Okay. Uh, let's, let's kind of talk about how to record yeah. hands for both live and also online play. I know you mentioned um, that there are sites that actually track all your hands so that right. you won't have to, so you won't have to manually do it yourself. Um, and then you can play play... it back but I think it's to be honest I I find that it it might be easier to input that information later at the end of the day Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's easier to just take notes during the hand or like immediately after the hand Um, it's quicker that way you don't want to lose focus on the game because you're spending too much time or focus on inputting information into an app so um, that's and, and it really comes down to detail uh, I think that's probably the most important thing here is, um, you know, I, I've seen coaches, I've seen players uh, write down notes on their hands, um, what happened and everything, but the notes are so sloppy and missing important details that um, it's it's hard to really assess the situation and analyze it to the highest level afterwards. So first of all, you know, write down, the date, write down the location, write time, uh, write down um, what stakes you're playing, what game it is, uh, run your position. And if you don't know, if you're new to the game, you don't understand like the abbreviation for positions around the table, I highly suggest that you um, learn this. You know, UTG is under the gun, UTG1. There's um, MP, MP1 for middle position, middle position one. There's the low jack, high jack cutoff and the button BTN or, or BN or whatever you want to use. Um, mark, mark where your position is, mark where your opponent's position is. Take note of the stack sizes, 
Um, obviously, you want to remember what your whole cards are. Be specific with the suits as well. And then from there, you just write down what the action was, what the flop was, turn, river, whatever action there was there. And then if it's relevant or not, then, you know, if you want to put down what your opponent's uh, cards are, if, if they're revealed at showdown, um, mark those down. And then any other, um, like, immediate questions or concerns or ideas that you have after the hand, go ahead and put a note there. But those are, like, the basics that you have to have. Um, and you really want to leave as much detail as possible. Is there maybe a simple way that you write down all these notes after each hand there? I know you mentioned quite a lot of information. Yeah. I think the easiest way to do it is, um, so like I, I do it like on my phone, usually on um, mm-hmm. just a regular iPhone note app, whatever. So I'll put the date and the game that I'm playing at the top of that. So I don't have to write that for every single hand for that session, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. And then... So I, I use the term hero as myself. So I'll, I'll just put hero equals cutoff, CO, right? Hero equals CO. Um, and then I'll put um, villain, which is your opponent. Or I'll just, I'll, usually I'll just put V1. Or if there's like multiple, I'll put V1, V2, V3 in a line. And then I'll just write on the next row, I'll put everyone's stack sizes. Okay. And this is pretty, pretty, gotcha. pretty simple, pretty easy. And then... Your whole cards, obviously, you can put that anywhere on the piece of paper. It doesn't really matter. And then just um, follow the the action. Like use, I use R for raise. Uh, I use the like a check mark, meaning they checked. Um, you do like calls. I, I usually just write out call, but I I guess you could just use the letter C for call. Um, yeah, and then the suits and the flop and everything. Spades is S. C is clubs etc okay um i think the most important thing to really keep in mind here is to really note each player's stack size their position at the table Mm -hmm. there and also the bet sizing Mm -hmm. that's being done for each street Mm -hmm. um those are the i think the three or four most important um things that you we have to keep in mind when we do record hands there I think like in terms of knowing what a low jack or high jack position is, um, you may not remember all of that while, while the, all the action is going on. So as long as you kind of remember the sw- sequencing and where the blinds are in relation to where the action is, then I think you'll be okay in terms of just saying, okay, this guy was first to act in middle position. He, maybe he raised and then the next person called and then the next person after that called in the cutoff. And then maybe you're in the big blind with pocket aces and you decide to, you know, raise it this amount, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of want to go through the positions first pre-flop and then kind of go through what the bet sizing sequencing would be for each street after that. Right. Just just write out – or you could just write out the action like line by line as as it goes. Like hijack yeah. uh, parentheses, put their stack size 300, opens to 15, um, button – 500, three bets to 50. Uh, hero, sm- small blind, 800, call with ace, ace king or whatever. And then and then just write out the next line, you just write out the flop. And then you put 
hijack bets or 80. Um, you don't need to record what the pot size is because you can come back to that later. Um, as long as you add up, you, that's why it's important to make sure you put all the bet sizes and the calls and everything. Um, you can add that up later. But um, yeah, so that's how, yeah. That, that's and you would recommend it. doing this for both online play and live play or just for most online play live? you don't need to do this because most online um card rooms i would assume keep track of your hand history which you can access um in fact that's if you are really like not sure of how to do this and you've never seen a hand history before um mm -hmm. i would suggest maybe just doing a quick google search for like poker stars hand history and look at some of the images or something that shows up. Um, and I'm almost 100% sure that there are examples um, of, of other people sharing screenshots of their hand history. Yeah, I, I agree with that there. And if I, I know with a lot of like the apps too, there's, there's hand history. So like um, say after, so after a hand that you played online or on an app, if you have some questions on it, I would advise on going back to that hand history real quick or the hand detail and just screenshotting, um, screenshotting the hand history note onto like your tablet or onto your phone there. And then that way you have the hand saved there instead of trying to find scribble down or, or find yeah. it later on or try to remember it uh, from the top of your head. I found that pretty beneficial. Mm -hmm on my end lately there. Cool. Yeah, that definitely works. Um, and then, so once you've done all this, right, um, let's say like you make it your goal to uh, record three to five hands per session. Um, so then step two would be when you get home, you know, you pull up these notes on your phone and then this is also going to be kind of like your first pass at it. But I would mm -hmm. suggest that you either uh, pull up a file like a, um, on your on your computer or whatever, or just re like write it all out. But like instead of use uh, get rid of all the short shorthand terms you have in there and actually like write it out, make it look pretty so it's easier to read. And again, this will be like your first pass at it. Um, add in anything you remember that you forgot to put notes in originally, um, and then and then start like thinking about like what what you liked about the hand, what you didn't like about it, what your questions are, and then you can um, start thinking about it uh, or you could also share it with your friends and I'm sure they'll appreciate it if it um, looks a little neater and nicer instead of all like a no, bunch of notes jumbled down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? I will, after this, um, after this episode, I'll, I will type in as kind of like a sample Hand cool. history and put it on our recording notes. Sweet. That way, our listeners will have an example of how this looks like when they do share it um, with their community. And also, one thing to note: when you do share a hand, I found it. I found it very beneficial. Also, that you don't reveal your um, your opponent's hands before they give you any feedback. So it's okay to reveal your own hand. Like, say you had like queen 10 suited or something and you're looking for opinions right on how to play the hand better but i would advise not to review what um what what other players have because that will kind of that will that will kind of um engage 
your friends to lean toward lean towards a certain way, you know, on how the hand will turn out. Do you do you typically agree with that, or you mean like uh, not revealing what we what your opponent's cards were? Yeah, not not oh, yeah, yeah, what their yeah. opponent's cards are. Yeah, I if, agree. If, yeah. And then after they give you feedback, I think it's perfectly okay to review, okay, this is what happened at the end of at the end of the hand. Yeah. That's definitely better because you want it to be like they're playing the hand and and you want to get their opinion on how they would have done it. So then there's once you got all this information, there's like two ways of looking at it, right? There are um how you should have played each each decision and then how you could have played it as played better hmm. right because all right like let's say you find um like all right let's say the the highlight of the hand is you're questioning whether or not you should have uh four bet or three bet in this in the whatever the situation was and you're like man i did three bet but maybe i shouldn't have right well first you got to analyze it okay you three bet it as played um what should it your, what should your next move be or what as played how did it um what what scenarios did it bring up later on on the next street and how did you handle those right um right so, that, so that's the first thing or second thing whatever it doesn't matter which which one you do first but that's one way that's one angle you should analyze and then the other way to analyze is um, determining if that three bet was the correct move or not and why. Yep. I agree with that there. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree that, um, yeah, we should be analyzing each street and dissecting it, um, very clearly there. Mm -hmm. And we want to, you know, we want to be careful because I think sometimes in a hand, we may just dissect like the river decision. Yeah. If it was like a good call or a good bluff or whatnot there and just question that decision. But I find that um, sometimes the very basic fundamentals is really down to just pre-flop play. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we sh- maybe we shouldn't have been playing like queen five off, mm-hmm. you know, from middle position, <laughs> but we did. And then now we're just analyzing the river. But in reality, we should be dissecting our pre-flop play yep. and just yep. saying, okay, this is not how we, sh- we sh- probably should be mucking this hand pre-flop in the nine-handed game. Right. right? So then we and then we say, okay, as play, we raise, right? And then what if someone three bet us pre-flop, and then we we still call, we still have to analyze that that action as well, right? Yeah. So that may not. So those two actions, those two examples, you know, that they, they can be incorrect, but we're still playing the hand, you know, as is. Yeah. So as you mentioned, okay, as played, we call the three bet with queen five off right and then then we go on to the flop action and kind of move on from there right i agree um i think uh and yeah i, I think a good example of that is like let's say you uh flop a flush draw uh let's say you're each play let's say the effective stack is like 80 big blinds deep you flop a mm-hmm. flush draw or let's say 100 blind, big blinds deep you flop a flush draw and um you decide to put in a big check raise, which commits half your stack or something like that. And then the guy instantly comes over the top and puts you all in. 
and you're sitting there like crap you know like that was maybe maybe i should have just called the flop but as played you kind of you have to call now because you're you're pot committed but yeah was it the right play to uh check raise him for half your stack maybe not right we, we we have to analyze that further so there's two ways to look at it there um yeah um I think there's a couple variables that come into play with that example. Yeah, of um, especially when recording when we're recording the hand action is what is our thought process behind our check raise? Did we did we perceive our opponent as as weak there? As in, like we we saw that their bet was too small or something on mm-hmm. that flop, and that's why we check raised them, or did we think that we had the best hand um, generally? Or did we think that we're going to check raise, and if he calls, then we're going to barrel again or bet again on the turn? Yeah, that's a really so, good point you bring up. I think a lot of um, players, intermediate and beginning players, and even uh, and even pros make the mistake too sometimes. Not not as often, but um, every time you bet, right, you should have a reason for betting. And I think a lot of times we forget that, um, especially uh, beginners and early begin uh, intermediate players. They just they, they bet because they think they're supposed to, but then they forgot to ask themselves, um, why am I doing this? What, am I trying to get a call? Am I trying to get action? Or am I, if I'm, am I trying to get the guy to fold? Um, is it value or is it a bluff, basically? Right. Keep it simple. Um, and so a lot of times uh, I think players don't realize that. And the same thing on the reverse side too, like um, when you are just making a big call or something like, okay, what do you... The, are you, are you calling because your intention is to call down on the next street? Um, like, what do you, like, do you have a plan <laughs> for the next right. street? Um, so yeah. you always got to be thinking ahead in this game. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and I think that's the one of the main importance of recording hands is that you can kind of relive those street-by-street situations mm-hmm. that you get yourself in. Mm-hmm. So then you can improve upon that and then also use that experience for the next time that you get into that scenario. So for, for that example of using that flush draw example mm-hmm. there, so say you made, say you, you, you check raised him, he went over the top all in and then you called and then say, for example, he had like a, like a larger flush draw or, or something like that and you lost the hand. So if something like that happens again, then maybe you can kind of relive that situation that you were in and rethink it differently the next time around. Yeah. Exactly. Find the, find your mistakes, find your find your holes in your game so that you can improve them and not do them. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely there. Um, do you have any other tips on recording hands? Um. um or any other keys to successful studying that we can apply to our game? Other than sharing the hand histories with your um, players that are either at the same level as you or better. Sometimes you could share with someone that's worse than you, but you won't, you might not get as good feedback, but it is interesting sometimes to hear what their opinion is just because everyone thinks differently. Um, but I also think it's a good idea to also um, analyze some of your friends' hands. So if you get a group together, and we've talked about this before, share hand mm-hmm. history with each other, 
and learn from each other's experiences because there are literally an infinite amount of scenarios possible in this game and you can never be 100% fully prepared for everything. Yeah, and I think it I think being proactive is a key here in terms of implementing um hand hand history reviews and also um the very keys to studying and I think like it's very easy as I mentioned earlier in this episode that players just play and they don't want to relive the pain of losing or or even talk about their winning hands. Yeah. So I think like a player needs to, they need to schedule that time during the day, even if it means like, okay, say you, you say you set like three hours a day to play poker. It's okay to like set just 15 minutes and just play set 15 minutes to studying and reviewing hands and then setting the, the rest of that time, two hours and 45 minutes into playing. Um, I think that extra 15 to 20 minutes of studying and reviewing hands will deeply affect your win rate for the net positive. Right. One other thing too, that just came to mind is that um, I think it's useful to use hand reviews because it also allows you to um, reconstruct your uh, perceived hand ranges as well as uh, reconstructing your opponent's hand ranges and, find out if you really do have any range advantage or if they had range advantage on you. Um, Because sometimes when we're in the game, it's hard to do it in the exact moment accurately. Um, Sometimes we miss things or don't, don't realize things until later on. Um, So expanding your knowledge and recognition skills of ranges um, Mm -hmm. will definitely help you in the long run. And so I think hand histories will definitely help you out um, reconstructing it you're basically just replaying the hand in your head and reliving the moment when you think about it. So, yeah. And just to, um, just to conclude that we, we don't have to be recording, you know, 20 hands per session. You can just start off just recording like one or two that you had some questions on and starting there. Mm -hmm. I find like just starting small and not trying to overwhelm yourself with too much hand histories per session um, would be a good start for our listeners. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that concludes our episode uh, for this week here. Um, Thank you guys again for listening and uh, we will catch you next week. Take care. All right, cool.